Welcome to the Fitness and Lifestyle Podcast. I'm your host, Dan Kennedy, and you tune in today because you're sick of trying every fad diet under the sun and training yourself into the ground without seeing any results. That's why I'm here, to share the most effective ways to eat and train for sustainable and real results. Hey guys, welcome back to this week's episode of the Fitness and Lifestyle Podcast. It's a pleasure to have you back on board this week for another episode, and I do thank you very much for tuning in. As always, if you do enjoy today's episode, make sure you take a screenshot of the show and post it onto your Instagram, Snapchat, or even post a link to your Facebook, or even just tell the person next to you about today's show if you take some value from it, because the more ears we get on the show, the better, the more people we can reach, the more people we can help. So today's episode is going to be about how to understand and read your body scan. Now I'm talking about a DEXA scan an in-body scan, an e-volt scan. We've all, we've all probably seen them before and a number of you would have had these scans before and got back your reading, the big piece of paper with a hundred different numbers on it, but you probably have no idea what they all mean. So on today's show, I'm going to, going to explain to you what they actually mean and give you a better understanding of how to read it, how to know what you need to improve, what you're doing well, what you may not be doing well, and also for future references, what you should be keeping an eye on to make sure you're improving it in the long term. So sit back, relax, and enjoy today's show. Let's get stuck into the episode. All right, so when it comes to tracking progress, a body scan can be an extremely effective way of getting consistent and accurate results and really helping you see whether or not you're making progress on whether it's your fat loss journey, your muscle building journey, whatever it may be at that current time, whether you're eating in a calorie deficit, a surplus, whether you've changed up your training program or you may be doing a challenge. You know, there's a number of different reasons why you would get a body scan. And I think over time, uh, especially every couple of months, they can be very beneficial just to make sure you're on track. But it's useless if you don't know what all the, the numbers on the page mean. And I know a lot of people are confused because there's so much information on that page, but I've really narrowed it down today to eight different things that you should be aware of on that body scan. So we're going to get stuck into those now. So number one is your skeletal muscle mass. So firstly, what is it? There are three types of muscle. So there's cardiac, smooth, and skeletal. So skeletal muscle mass, guys, is the only type of muscle that you can actually physically grow. And when I say you can grow it, you can either make it bigger or smaller. So you can actually atrophy, I think that's the word for it. You can make it smaller as well. So hypertrophy is is what we do when we try to grow that muscle. And you can't actually change the shape of a muscle, although by increasing its size and reducing your overall body fat, you can give the illusion of a different shape of muscle or that toned, defined look that uh, a lot of people are after. So skeletal muscle mass is a very important one and often on these body scan sheets, it is labeled SMM. So another one you may see on there is lean mass. Um, Lean mass is just your total body weight minus the fat mass. So I don't find that as effective or don't necessarily see it as, I don't necessarily see it as, anywhere near important as skeletal muscle mass because when we're following a program, if we're doing progressive overload, if we're trying to build lean muscle mass, which most people should be trying to do or everyone should be trying to do, then if your skeletal muscle mass is going up, then that is a good thing, especially if your body fat percentage is staying relatively similar or decreasing or if you're in a calorie deficit and you're trying to lose fat, the aim should be to at least maintain skeletal muscle mass as body fat reduces or at least not lose too much of it. It is very common to lose a little bit of skeletal muscle mass in a fat loss phase, but we don't want to be we don't want to be losing too much 
of that skeletal muscle mass, that hard-earned muscle that we've put so much time into. So ways of improving your skeletal muscle mass is obviously strength training and progressive overload. So that's number one. Number two, and this is one that everybody gets caught up on, and I think it is important, but in the end of the day, it doesn't mean everything, and that is percentage of body fat. So that is obviously this percentage of your body, of your body weight, sorry, that is actual body fat. So how to improve that? Consistently eat in a slight calorie deficit anywhere between 200 and 500 calories below your maintenance level uh, and expend energy using strength training and conditioning. They're my recommendations for you guys, but something I often talk about with clients is in the end of the day, it doesn't matter what that number is. If you visually look good and if you feel good and performing well in the gym, like I use the example of when I get up on stage to compete in bodybuilding, the, the, the judges don't get the microphone and ask each competitor what their body fat percentage is. They judge them off how they look. So if you visually look lean, you feel great, you're training well, but your body fat's a little bit higher than what you wish it was, then it really doesn't matter that much, guys. Don't get too caught up on this number. Although when we are eating in a calorie deficit, trying to lose fat, obviously the trend does want to be going downwards. We want that percentage of body fat to be dropping. And as I mentioned before, skeletal muscle mass, muscle mass, tongue twister is wanting to be at least maintained um, if not slightly increased but definitely don't want that skeletal muscle mass to be dropping and we typically see in short-term fixes or uh, quick fix programs and short challenges that when we lose all this weight so we lose a lot of body weight but we do lose a lot of skeletal muscle mass with that body fat percentage um, and that weight so it's not necessarily a good thing if you're losing a lot of weight because if your skeletal muscle mass is going down then that is not a good thing. So that's number two, percentage of body fat. Number three, visceral fat. Now, this is extremely important, and a lot of people probably wouldn't know what this is. I think I've actually done a full podcast episode on visceral fat, so if you want to go back and check it out, feel free. I might uh, find the link and put it in the show notes below. So firstly, what is visceral fat? So visceral fat is stored in a person's abdominal cavity and is also known as active fat um, as it influences how your hormones hormones function in the body. So I guess it's basically the fat that surrounds your organs. So it's not you wouldn't necessarily look at someone and go, oh, shit, they've got a lot of visceral fat. But you may have, I think everybody's got a friend who doesn't eat that well, parties all the time, but they look relatively thin. Chances are their visceral fat could be quite high and an excess of visceral fat can be extremely dangerous and it's almost more unhealthy than having just regular a regular high body fat percentage because it is surrounding your organs so obviously it's extremely important so for people that do have high visceral fat um, there will be a chart on that body scan that you'll be able to look at. It will show you what range you're in, uh, whether you're in an optimal range. Usually anything below level 11, I'm 99% sure it's below level 11 on these scans is classified as good. Um, I think it needs to be a lot lower, anywhere between kind of 2 up to around 6 I think is, is optimal um, for visceral fat. So ways to get rid of visceral fat. Obviously, eating in a slight calorie deficit um, is going to help reduce your overall body fat percentage, but it definitely can help reduce visceral fat as well. Uh, also, it's been proven that high-intensity interval training is a massive winner when it comes to reducing your visceral fat. Um, so anywhere, again, anywhere between 200 and 500 calories below uh, your maintenance calorie intake is going to be sufficient. But the other big one here is to reduce your overall alcohol consumption. So it's it's very typical for someone who drinks a lot of alcohol to have very high visceral fat. So the first question I always ask a client if it pops up on their scan that they've got high visceral fat 
is how much alcohol do you drink? And the answer, obviously, more often than not, is a lot. Or by the time we finish chatting, they might start off saying that they don't drink too much. But by the time we finish up, they've they've kind of explained to me that they actually do drink quite often and quite a bit. So reducing that alcohol consumption is also going to help. The next measurement, I think, which is extremely important and more often than not can also be more important than your actual body weight, is your abdominal circumference. So it's well the ranges here change a lot and to be perfectly honest the guidelines do change a lot because it depends on the average in population which i don't necessarily agree with because as everyone's average goes up they're increasing this range but for males below 94 centimeters your for your abdominal circumference is classified as healthy for females below 80 centimeters is classified as a healthy range and when you're in a fat loss phase like i said if your waist measurements are going down but the scales aren't going down that's great that means that you're not losing muscle mass. That means that, if anything, you may have even put on a little bit of muscle mass because if your waist measurements are going down, you are losing body fat. So that is another one to keep an eye out for. And uh, and if you're in a fat loss phase, you obviously don't need a body scan to be keeping an eye on your abdominal circumference. And if you're wondering where that is taken from, it's around the belly button line. So right in the middle of your abdominal area. The next section that is worth looking at is left and right and upper and lower ratios. So these ratios can be important as it gives you, I guess it gives you a good indicator of what side is taking more of the load when you're training. A lot of people that have had injuries on one side tend to overcompensate on the other side. So it may be a matter of looking at how you can uh, utilize unilateral training to help rebalance um, both sides. And you may need to use dumbbells, you may need to do some single arm, single leg work, um, or just be a bit more cautious of your form because people with bad posture can often have uh, uneven ratios or unbalanced ratios um, obviously also with this ratio now this is probably a little bit more typical for males than it is females but if you're never training your lower body then your ratio is going to be way out and it can be the same for females if you're never training upper body your lower body will be holding a lot more muscle mass than your upper body and you're going to be slightly out with those ratios so again it all just comes down to making sure you're getting enough training volume in upper and lower body but if you have left and right imbalances, then I would highly suggest using dumbbells, cables, um, being very aware of your form, and also doing a lot of unilateral work, so single arm and single leg. The next one, water slash fluid levels. So intracellular uh, fluids, which is often seen on the sheet as ICF. Now, I actually forgot to mention um, with body fat. So with body fat, it's often seen as uh, PBF on the sheet that you'll probably get so percentage of body fat visceral fat is usually just usually just says visceral fat abdominal circumference same thing left and right upper and lower ratios it'll say that now water fluids it'll either say icf so that's intracellular fluids or ecf which is extracellular fluids so we want more intracellular fluids so that's water slash fluid inside the cells of our body whereas extracellular water is outside of the cells so Changes in these balances can be caused by a number of things, I guess, but typically it is usually from, you know, you can typically get extracellular water fluid and uh, and fluid retention from when you fly, uh, when you're, you've got an increase of sodium intake, so salt intake, or you're not drinking enough water, your body can hold a lot of fluid. Sometimes even from excessive amounts of cardio, your extracellular water can increase. So ways to increase our intracellular water is to drink more water, more water sorry, to stay more hydrated. Um, and I just find 
with fluid retention in general, guys, the best way I find to reduce your fluid retention is to drink more water. So when I'm on a, on a flight, on a plane, I will drink a lot of water to make sure I'm flushing it out more often. If I go out for a meal that's going to be high in sodium and it's going to be abnormal to the amount of sodium that I would usually have in a day, then I will drink more water to try and make up for that so that I'm going to the bathroom more often. I'm getting rid of all that extra waste product or that extra fluid retention that I'm holding in my body. But uh, a question that often comes up is can sodium and fluid retention uh, skew your 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 scans and your measurements and your weigh-ins and the answer is obviously yes so firstly when it comes to weighing yourself uh, i think you should either not weigh yourself at all or weigh yourself every single day and take an average over the week because when we talk about fluid retention your weight can go up or down by three kilos just from holding water just from water weight which is huge and if you're weighing yourself once a week and you know last week you were at let's say 70 kilos and now this week you're at 72 kilos but you feel like you've had a great week although the night before you weighed yourself you had a meal that was high in salt then the chances are it's just fluid retention and you've actually had a great week and you've probably made progress but if you're looking at the scales going oh shit you know, I haven't seen any progress this week, then you're going to make unnecessary changes. So by weighing yourself every single day, you're getting that average or just use progress photos. Uh, same rule applies or your waist measurements, whatever it may be. But that is, I guess, the rundown on water uh, slash fluid levels and retention in your body. The next couple I want to just briefly run over. So uh, number seven and eight, I think it is. Seven and eight, yeah. Um, so the next one, Number seven is bone mineral density. And I, I guess I'm not just running over this quickly, but that'll most likely be BMD on your scan sheet. So if you've got a scan sheet at home or even on your phone, it may even be worth looking at this while I go through today's episode. So bone mineral density is the amount of bone mineral in bone tissue. So it, can be, it also can be an indirect indicator of osteoporosis and fracture risk if your bone mineral density is low. So it is a good indicator and it is important um, it is extremely important, actually. So bone mineral density can be increased by supplementing or, or consuming more calcium and vitamin D. And another way to increase it is with strength training. So for someone that's doing strength training regularly, the chances are, if especially if they're getting a good amount of calcium um, and vitamin D, their bone mineral density will be quite high. And that's what we want. That's what we're after, especially as we get older. We want to try and maintain our bone health for as long as possible. Um, and even in younger people, you want to make sure your bone density is as high as you can possibly get it. Now, lastly, not all scans do have this, but a lot of them do now, and that is the fitness score. So in my opinion, I don't think you need to take too much note of the fitness score as it's based on averages, um, but this is basically how it's calculated, and I actually looked this up on the InBody uh, website. So you start at 80, so it's usually a score out of 100. Okay, so you start at 80 and then you lose points for too much fat or too little muscle mass and then you gain points for muscle mass. So I've seen scans where people have scored 115 out of 100, which doesn't make a great deal of sense, but that's just how it's calculated. So it obviously is a good indicator if your score is extremely low, then the chances are if you've read all the other readings that I've gone through today, you already know that you need to make some form of changes, but I wouldn't take too much notice of this. Obviously, the higher the score, the better, but it's not the end of the world if your score is not huge or if it's not over 100, as I've just mentioned. So 
I hope you found this episode helpful. It actually came up uh, on my Instagram, so I'm not even going to do a question of the week because this was my social media question of the week is how to actually read your body scan and what count, or what matters and what doesn't matter, uh, the numbers that you should be looking at. And it's a great question because, you know, before I learned all this, I would look at a body scan and go, you know, like, what the, what the fuck is what does this even mean? Like all these different numbers and how am I meant to know what's good, what's bad? You know, it's saying that I'm optimal here, but I'm not optimal there. Um, you know, for example, BMI, I think that's a load of, a load of rubbish that doesn't need to be on any of these scans, but it is. Um, I don't think you need to take too much note or any note at all, actually of BMI, to be honest. Um, but I hope this has helped. So just to quickly run over the ones again, which I think are worth looking at. Like I said, if you do have one of these uh, scan or test results at home, it'd be worth looking over now while this is all fresh in your memory. So number one was skeletal muscle mass. Number two was percentage of body fat. Number three, visceral fat. Number four, abdominal circumference, which will be in centimeters. Uh, number five, left and right and upper and lower ratios. Number six was water levels, so intracellular and extracellular. Number seven, bone mineral density. And number eight is your fitness score. So I hope you have taken some value from today's episode. I really do appreciate all the support. Um, I'm going to be completely honest here, guys. I've been blown away over the last few weeks from all the feedback that I've been getting from the podcast. It, it really does mean a lot. Um, and I'm absolutely loving putting out this content. And I hope you're enjoying it as much as I'm enjoying putting it out. As I said at the start of the show, if you've enjoyed today's episode within the next 30 minutes, please take a screenshot of today's episode, post it on your social media, tag your friends in it, um, leave a review on the podcast, rate the podcast, uh, subscribe if you haven't already. Obviously, if you haven't subscribed, then you're missing out because I'm putting out content every week. I'm trying to get more and more episodes out for you guys, and I've actually done today's episode uh, while I'm traveling. I'm currently away for work doing some corporate health, and I've just got home from a big gym session and decided to record today's episode. So uh, I hope you've enjoyed the show, as I've said about a thousand times already because I tend to repeat myself. I really look forward to chatting to you in next week's episode and enjoy the rest of your week.